Lady Elarendril and Cyrus Knowles, the Quarterback, Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atolls series, by Marty Reader. Book 1, Sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Load Stones. Part 1. Nice going, Elaine. Cyrus Knowles quipped, spinning a football in his hand with blatant disregard for the librarian's disapproving glare. It's not Elaine. Just because my parents lacked creativity doesn't signify I deserve punishment. My name is Lady Elarendril. It means legendary bearer of the dragonflyer in the Fasfarthi mountain elf dialect. Elaine, er, Lady Elarendril, glowered at Cyrus over the hefty volume she cradled. The two could not have created a more opposite duo. Cyrus sported his red and black letterman jacket as if the two never parted until he could swap it for his jersey. His hair was short, his shoes made for all the athletic moves that a library prohibits, and his demeanor one of complete disregard for academics. Lady Elarendril presented a long, straight dress with earthy colors that was laced together on the sides with string-like cords. Even though her hair was braided into a complicated series of tumbling folds, it still reached nearly down to her waist. Her respect for books and bookishness bordered, Cyrus would say, on the extreme. The contrast between the two explained Cyrus's frustration with their current predicament. Did you think, Elaine, that if you wouldn't have whined about me being too loud with my buddies while you were trying to read, Mrs. Avalon wouldn't have made us partners in this stupid project? For the last time, troll for brains, it's Lady Elarendril. Cyrus guffawed. All right, if we're going by fancy titles, then I'm Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback of the Crater High School football team. Now we know what to call each other, and since you've had Mrs. Avalon's science fiction and fantasy class, and probably listened in class this year, I vote that you're in charge of doing our end-of-year literature project. Fulchankerst, Lady Alarondrill muttered below her breath. Hey, lazy Alarondrip, just because you read a bunch of stories about magic people who never take showers doesn't mean you can cuss me out in dwarf warlock language or whatever. It's the dark ton of Tolklut Akishk, a voice intervened. The epic dialect, if I'm not mistaken. The voice, to Cyrus's surprise, came not from a loundrill, but from a man who silently stole up beside the quarreling pair. Both of them turned to face the tall figure. His crooked form was only partially hidden by layered cloaks and robes, while his face remained set behind a cascading beard of silver that dripped down almost to his waist. Who are you? Alarondril and Cyrus both exhaled. I am this great sorcerer, Dow Tamaro, of the Order of the Extraction Load Stones. Cyrus Knowles lifted his eyebrows and looked around as if expecting to see a hidden camera somewhere. Alarondril looked as if she might faint. Nufleiflin. Dow Tamaro bowed his head respectfully at the apparent compliment. Cyrus looked at Alarondril. What's your dad doing here? For all the fairy droppings in Kraglobmuk, Jockhead, this isn't my dad. This is a magical being from a mystical land. Lady Alarondril could not take her eyes off the otherworldly form in front of her. This is everything I've ever dreamed about. Datamaro nodded. I've come because my land is in great peril, and you are the only person who can save it. Lady Alarondril nearly swooned. Oh, Datamaro. I've been preparing for this moment all my life. 
What do you need from me? I can identify each gemstone in the Federational Empire provinces by sound alone. It was not until after revealing her impressive skill set that Alarondrill noticed that the sage old man was not looking at her. Dao Tamaro unveiled a gnarled staff from his robes with a black rock embedded in its top and pointed it to an increasingly disinterested Cyrus Knowles. Nay, child, I come not for you, but for him. What? Elarondril bordered on blaspheming the name of Bralxkdurkl. Your gatekeeper, Datamaro responded. When I asked where I could find him, she looked at a magic box and sent me this way. Then she marked me with a special amulet to protect me. Datamaro lifted one of the school's visitor passes off of a lanyard buried somewhere around his neck. Cyrus found his grip on the football before looking up and seeing the visitor pass sitting in front of him, and Alarondrill staring at him in disbelief. Wait a second. You come for me? Is this some kind of freaky recruiting gimmick? Coach said the community college would stop at nothing to get their hands on me. Dad tomorrow did not look like the type to be usually at a loss for words. Now, however, he sat silent, contemplating. I know not of that which you refer, but I do not trifle when I say that if you do not come with me within the next phases of the great burning globes traversing the sky that my land will be in danger of ultimate annihilation. Lady Alarondrill had been too stunned to say anything, but now jumped in. Not that I doubt your necromancing, Dad, tomorrow, but are you quite sure you've got the right person? I'm pretty sure you came for me. Dude, Cyrus started to fidget. I'm not one to side with the elf lady here, but she's got a point. I'm not your ogre warrior or whatever. Dad, tomorrow shifted his stance for a moment. Are you not the one they call Serunol Dachertrak? Cyrus shook his head definitively. Uh, nope. You got the wrong guy. Sorry, dude. Then to himself. Awkward. Elarondrill perked her ears. Wait, say that name again. Dad tomorrow repeated. Serunol Dachertrak. I don't believe it. Elarondrill set down her book on an end table. Pigskin flinger, listen carefully. He is saying Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. His ear is not accustomed to our rural coarse dialect, but sounded out. Seru, Cyrus, and Noll, Knowles, then Dajerjrak, the quarterback. He really is here for you. Cyrus thought through what Dad tomorrow said, and allowed Drill's translation. What's going on? Let's get one thing straight, dude tomato. The only reason I'm here right now is because any excuse to leave a library is a good excuse. And there's still a small chance that you're just a really weird and desperate recruiter. Cyrus Knowles could not tell if Dad tomorrow heard him or not. The wizened old man had taken them to the north parking lot and crouched down at the storm drain. Dude, did someone clog the storm drain? Your world is in more peril than you're letting on. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, you need to show Dad tomorrow more respect. Lady Alarondrill scolded. Sorry, gemstone-listening maiden. I thought Dudester was the one to ask me the huge favor of saving his bacon after mumbling something kind of like my name. I don't even know why you're here. Alarondrill hardened. Because, Cyrus Knowles, because I deserve this more than you, I insist on at least being a consultant. Consultant, right. Well, get out your fantasy encyclopedia set to see what it says about sewage systems. Because Magic Man don't seem interested in much else. 
a loungerl about rebuffed her counterpart, but both of them snapped their mouths shut as they observed Datumaro waver his gnarled staff over the storm drain gate. Incredibly, the grate suddenly scraped out of its place and hovered just below the staff as Datumaro, with intense focus, guided it to the side before setting it down on the pavement. Quickly, down the portal, I must activate it before that angry-looking warrior apprehends us. Datumaro told the still-gaping teenagers. I distrust that even the protection amulet could keep us safe. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, managed to glance towards the indicated warrior, noticing Vice Principal Miller heading towards them, fuming. Well, he's off his rocker or I am, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, said. But either way, I ain't gonna let Miller suspend me for skipping class. Using all the athleticism at his disposal, he gripped his football and scaled down the utility ladder into the storm drain. Lady Alarondrill cradled her book next to her chest and followed, and then Dow tomorrow. Just as they heard the voice of Vice Principal Miller demand an explanation for them being out of class, Dow tomorrow flipped his staff upside down and slapped it on the ground. The world they knew disappeared. End part one of Book One, Sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones, of Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knows the Quarterback. Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll series. Copyright 2014. Marty Reader. Lady Elarondrill and Cyrus Knowles, the Quarterback. Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll series. By Marty Reader. Book One Sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones. Part Two Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, and Lady Alarondrill both came sputtering out of a pool of water all around them. A murky haze concealed anything within a thirty foot radius. Dude, man, what's going on? Is this some kind of joke? Alarondrill's first instinct was to lift her latest fantasy volume out of the water. Then she found her footing. Dow tomorrow? The Crater High School teens looked around the mist but saw no one else. Well, he's having his laugh now, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, wiped water from his eyes. Maybe Miller put him up to this, you know, to teach us a lesson or something. Lady Alarondrill's eyes squinted. How can you possibly... Silence is critical at this juncture, a voice whispered through the haze. Dude, staff man! Cyrus Knows the quarterback exclaimed. Not cool. I had a wallet in my pocket, and now I'm going to have to take a shower, because who knows what's in this water. Momentarily humbled, Cyrus Knows the quarterback waded towards Dow Tomorrow's voice. Lady Alarondrill slipped behind him. After a couple of steps, Alarondrill shoved Cyrus from behind and whispered fiercely, Don't flatter yourself, jersey wearer. Just because every dull-headed, makeup-caked girl in school throw themselves at your feet doesn't mean you can make a move on me. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, could not have been demonstrated more horror on his face had he seen the whole Bison Valley defensive line blitzing him. Listen here, book addict Anonymous. I don't know what you think a move is, but I didn't make one on you. Then who keeps touching my leg? In that moment, both of them felt a sharp sting in their calves. Quickly! De Tomorrow suddenly appeared to the side of them, his face contorted as he wielded his staff to the area of water just behind them. Straight forward, as fast as you can go to the shore. Don't look back. 
The pain in their legs momentarily released, and they both lurched forward, feeling the ground coming up quicker on them. As they started splashing through the shallows, they saw a churning all around them of fish, mouths gaping open, all flying in their direction before seeming to hit a wall which forced their bodies to contort and drop them back into the water. Lady Larondrils tripped just as they crested the shoreline, her book flying onto land, but she dropped into the churning shallows. Cyrus knows the quarterback immediately turned back and hefted Lady Larondrils up in a single motion and tossed her to shore. Several fish flew at him, and he batted them away before tripping onto shore himself. The recovering teenagers then watched a highly focused Datamaro wading deliberately towards them, his staff held out in front of him and the fish frothing all around him, yet leaving a perimeter of about a foot around his body where he remained untouched. By the time Datamaro made it to the shore, his energy was spent and both Alarondril and Cyrus jumped up to keep him from collapsing. Their strength increases, Datamaro muttered. I hope we are not too late. Cyrus knows the quarterback walked back towards the water and picked up a fish that had flopped onto shore. Dude, power stick man, this is just a salmon. Are you tell me that we were being attacked by a bunch of salmon? Lady Alarondril piped in. I would have thought they were the swarming lake dwellers of Fralishtik. Still breathing heavily, Datamaro said, All creatures in the kingdom of Atul have been subject to our powers in the past. But with the Wraith Lord's rise, the creatures have grown increasingly violent. It takes inordinate amounts of energy to fend them off from our subjects. Wraith Lord? Lady Alarondril muttered with a mix of horror and thrill. Look, buddy, Cyrus knows a quarterback turned it out tomorrow. I ain't no fish whisperer like you, so I don't know why you think I can help. Serunol, Daturchak, Datamaro replied, is a great legend among our people, the ultimate hero. We knew that if anyone could confront this foe before us now, it would be you. As one of the few survivors of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones, after the Wraith Lord's extermination decree, I was sent to find you. By following the ancient threads of Lodestone power to their place of origin, I have done so. Now, you will save the Kingdom of Atoll from utter annihilation. How do I save a fairy tale land from annihilation? Cyrus Knowles lifted his hands up in the air. Some sort of talisman, Alarondil said while gathering her book from the ground. Is there a sword he must retrieve, or a piece of magical jewelry? Nay, child. Datamaro shook his still sopping beard. Serunol Datatrak has within him all the qualities of the ultimate hero. He must go face the Wraith Lord himself. I am to take him there. Where is the Wraith, dude? Cyrus asked. Just a two-minute walk from here, Datamaro replied. Now we must hurry. If the fish are any indication, we could be assaulted by other unseen foes at any moment. Two minutes, Lady Larondil said. Wait, wait. Oh, great sorcerer Datamaro, I do not mean to interject, but I think we are going about things all wrong. First of all, it is about at this point that you provide us with at least a chapter's worth of exposition, detailing the history of this land, its magic, the Wraith Lord's ascendance to power, and the impossible quest to remove him. Cyrus knows the quarterback is then supposed to go through moments of self-doubt. Then we are to make a long trek through the land and encounter companions of various races, along with exciting adventures and close calls from the Wraith Lord's minions. The fish thing was a good start. Finally, after obtaining a talisman and having gone through some unorthodox training, Cyrus will discover his inner strength and we will conquer the Wraith Lord, though we'll leave some semblance of residual power so as to allow for a lengthened series of future adventures. There was a long pause as both Datamaro and Cyrus and the quarterback stared down Lady Alarondrill quixotically. Finally, Datamaro spoke. 
Well, I do not doubt your wisdom in these affairs, my child. I'm afraid we do not have time for any of that. Right, Cyrus knows the quarterback said. Let's head. Detamaro took a deep breath and then stepped into the swirling mist while Cyrus and Alarondril followed. Though still bemused by the quick chain of events, Lady Alarondril did take a moment to speak. Cyrus knows the quarterback. Why are you suddenly eager to perform this heroic deed for a man that you spurned only minutes earlier? Cyrus Knowles glanced back at Lady Alarondril for a moment. I... I don't know. I guess when the dude hit his stick to the ground and we ended up here, he shrugged. Guess it's like when a ref blows his whistle and the game starts. You forget everything else from before and you just play. Alandra shook her head. But you realize that we don't know anything about the Wraith Lord or his powers. The dangers could exceed anything our small little minds could ever anticipate. Cyrus grinned. That just gets me more fired up. People said we were huge underdogs against the defending state champ team, but we proved that we had bigger hearts. Lady Alarondrill absorbed this statement thoughtfully, not sure whether it was boldness or bravado. As she weighed the matter, it reminded her of something else. Speaking of showing big heart, Alarondrill paused as if her statement pained her. I must thank you for picking me out of the lake as we are being attacked. Cyrus had not expected Alarondrill's show of gratitude. Oh yeah, he mumbled. Well, you know, thrill of the moment, I guess. Had the Wraith Lord's fortress been farther off, their conversation might have developed into something more interesting. But just at that moment, Dad Tomorrow crouched low behind a rock outcropping and beckoned the others to join him. The trio stared into the drifting haze and eventually recognized the silhouette of a black block shape about the size of a two-story house sitting before them. Elarondril's eyes took it in, then she spoke. So I assume this is the gatehouse to the Wraith Lord's domain? Dad Tomorrow kept his eyes on the shape in front of them. It is not. This is the Wraith Lord's personal residence. Wait, this is it? Elarondril appeared on the verge of elaborating her disappointment, but Cyrus interrupted. So, do we ring the doorbell, or what? The ancient man gave another confused look to Cyrus, Knowles the quarterback. He has no bells, of which I am aware. However, I sense there are about two dozen guards in the vicinity. Give me a moment to focus in on their location so that I can help us navigate to an entrance. That tomorrow closed his eyes to concentrate, and Lady Alarondrill could not help but mumble. Two dozen? That's the Wraith Lord's formidable army? Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, smiled. You got pluck, elf chick, I'll give you that. It's too bad this fantasy land of yours is like going to play your opponent, and it turns out you're playing the junior varsity team instead of the varsity. Suddenly, Dad Tomorrow's eyes snapped open. Get us way the great approaches. Cyrus and Alarondrill searched for another figure in the mists. Do you mean like great, like cool dude, or do you mean like great, like we're dead meat? He is among the nobility of the kingdom of Atul. Recently, he has been trying to help those of us in the Order of the Extraction Lodestones to fight the Wraith Lord's increasing powers. Suddenly, from behind them, they heard a shuffling of steps. Dad tomorrow, I'm glad I found you. Gettisway the Great was a short man dressed in a white tunic that had a red blazoned fabric on the front, showing the letter A. Lady Alarondrill could not help but exclaim in excitement, Ah, a dwarf, and he is wearing the uniform of the Kingdom of Atoll. He is most definitely a welcome addition to our company. Gattisbury the Great, distracted, looked at Alarondrill. I do not know who you are, but I am definitely not a dwarf. I may be slightly small of stature, but I have also been crouching so as not to be seen by the Wraith Lord's guards, which may have affected your perception of my height. And while I do wear the scarlet emblem of the kingdom of Atoll on my tunic, I will be the farthest thing imaginable from welcoming if you insist on calling me a dwarf. 
If Lady Alandril felt intimidated by Gattisbui the Great's diatribe, she did not show it. Instead, she turned with a giddy expression to Cyrus Nose, the quarterback. Dwarves always act grumpy, but they've got the kindest hearts you can imagine. Milady, Gattisbui the Great seized, I am just short, and if you... Datamaro interrupted. I have the chosen one. We were about to confront the Wraith Lord just before you came. Gattisbui the Great's demeanor suddenly changed as he scrutinized an uncomfortable Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. He then bowed, an act which compounded his height deficiency. Before Cyrus could tell him to straighten up, however, he lifted up his head and said, Chosen one, Datamaro, I bear difficult tidings. He did his best to ignore Lady Alarondril as he spoke. The Wraith Lord's power increases faster and more intensely than we could expect. He has already gathered the dispersed knights' creatures, and now has wards past the outer defenses of Atul. Datamaro's face hardened. Then we are not a moment too soon. We must penetrate the Wraith Lord's domain before he uses his powers to harness more vile beasts to his evil will. Catasbui the Great grimly shook his head. The innocent citizens in the Vale of Artis Huartun witness the great herd of caped horned beasts migrating for this very spot. With much caution, I found the creatures esconded in the dale just behind the Wraith Lord's abode. He only awaits someone to spring his trap. Full John Gurst, Datamaro spewed. I know that's not good. Cyrus knows the quarterback caught a knowing look from Lady Alandril. The old man's face showed an immense fatigue overwhelm him. I could have handled the guards so that Seirunol Dachertrak could face the Wraith Lord. I'm afraid, however, that I'm nearly spent. A whole herd of Cape Hornbeasts would finish me and the rest of you soon after. An ominous silence overcame the group. Finally, Gatsby the Great spoke in a defeated tone. What shall we do, then? Datamaro tapped the top of his staff with his finger, then turned to Gatsby the Great. Is there not time to summon Langstone the Huge? Gatsby the Great shook his head sadly. The Wraith Lord overcame him and Mille Bigginson with the Cape Horned Beast just after you disappeared for the Chosen One's world. Cyrus knows the quarterback tried to pay attention, but he began getting lost in all the weird names and complicated plot twists. His eyes drifted above the mist where he saw a dark, amorphous form drifting in their direction. Dudes, I think there's a storm coming. Check it out. That tomorrow and Gatsby the Great lifted their eyes only to shudder. The night shriekers have already arrived. We are finished. The fury of their attack will alert the Cape Horned Beasts of our location. Even if we manage to survive them, the Cape Horned Beasts would finish us. Datamaro closed his eyes and withdrew into his wrinkles momentarily before his eyelids snapped open with new resolve. Serunol Dr. Drac, is all that matters now. You must save him, Gatsby the Great. Take him to the Temple of the Goddess of Atoll. Perhaps there he will receive guidance and our kingdom may yet be saved. Gattisbury the Great held Datamaro by the shoulders. But the temple, the Wraith Lord, ruined it. Datamaro managed to give a weak chuckle. It was not the building that brought the visions. It was the visions that brought the building. Sifting his hand into his robe, Datamaro removed a small black pellet. Take them to the place of visions and toss this to the ground. Gattisbury the Great mindlessly pocketed the pellet. But Datamaro, what about you? Renewing a grip on his staff, the wizard muttered, I will delay the Nightshrieker's arrival for as long as I can. Lady Alarondril had been mesmerized by the dramatic conversation, but at this point she could not help jumping in. But, Dad, tomorrow you are already weak from defending us against the swarming lake-dwellers of Fralishtek. You can't possibly... 
Salmon, you mean, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, callously interrupted. Lady Alarondrill ignored him. You can't possibly hold off the Night Shriekers and the Cape Horn Beasts. Plus, the wargs are on their way. We refuse to leave your side. Noble Lady Alarondrill, if I have to use my powers to force you to leave, I will. That would, of course, diminish me further, so I must ask you to flee at once for the Temple of the Goddess Vatal. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, stood up. You heard the dude, let's go. Gaddy the Great, you know the way, right? Alarondrill seemed reluctant, but Cyrus grabbed her wrist. Hey, long-haired braider, we gotta get out of here. The dude's gonna do some blocking for us. We better make sure it ain't wasted. Look, the knight or something or others are almost here. As Lady Alarondrill allowed Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, to tug her through the mists behind Gattisbui the Great, she captured a final vision of Datamaro standing erect, arms extending, staff trembling, as the night shriekers descended from the sky in a direct line towards the last sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones. It was the one of the most tragic and therefore most beautiful moments of her life. And book one, Sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones of Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knows the Quarterback, Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atosir. Copyright 2014, Marty Lady Elarendril and Cyrus Knows the Quarterback Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll's Siri by Marty Reader Book 2 The Temple of the Goddess of Atoll Part 1 That's it? Lady Elarendril asked, bemused. That is it, Gaddisbury the Great solemnly denoted. But we only walked for another two minutes. Yes, Gattisbury the Great responded. What did you expect? Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, intervened at this point. You shouldn't ask Maiden Note all her expectations in this world, because we don't have time to hear them all. The trio picked their way through the haze among the rubble of large black stones strewn about the area in front of them. All around them they heard distant animal cries. If either of the Crater High students wondered which disturbing creature name belonged to which noise, they did not voice it. What a despicable evil it was for the Wraith Lord to destroy this temple, Elarondril said while ducking under a fallen column. Yeah, Cyrus Knowles acknowledged, looking around. This is just like running up the scoreboard, if you ask me. Gattisbury the Great rounded the broken remnants of a wall. I believe the Room of Visions was just around here. As soon as the other two joined their white tunic guide, he pulled out the pellet, eyed it curiously, then tossed it to the ground, where a puff of smoke made the air in front of them shimmer momentarily. After a moment, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, said, Huh, nothing. I thought we'd at least see a rabbit coming out of a hat or something. Lady Alarondrill cocked her hand, prepared to slap her counterpart on the back of the head, when suddenly a figure blurred into view in front of them. Hovering in the air, an image bent back and forth as if subject to the whims of a breeze. They all squinted their eyes and scrutinized the scene. Eventually, they recognized a woman standing at the center of the image, her frizzy hair extending in an oval around her face, which was still difficult to make out in the shimmering air. All around the figure, they could catch pieces of a setting, which included some form of altar, a book, a hanging fabric. Gattisbury the Great's jaw hung open. The goddess of Aethel. I have only heard stories of the sorcerers seeing the vision, but now I am finally able to witness one myself. Cyrus angled his head. 
I feel like I should hit the side of the TV to bring it into focus. Ignoring Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, Lady Alarondrill fell to her knees. O oh, great goddess of Atoll, what would you have us do? We have brought the Chosen One. The vision still shimmered as if out of focus, but then a sound accompanied it. The voice warbled, but its meaning could be fairly discerned by those present. Serunol Dajertrak is the ultimate hero. He rescues many in battle against impossible odds, a man who understands his principles from the start and can remain true to his character until the very end, regardless of the forces against him. The spectators could see the mouth of the goddess moving, but the words did not all match. It was as if the sound and image were slightly separated and arrived at different times. Besides being principled, he is the finest fighter in the land, an athlete of extraordinary ability as demonstrated by... Alarondra looked over to Cyrus, who listened with interest, even finding himself nodding his head in confirmation. Then the voice slurred before saying, he is a poet, an artist, one of the most romantic figures in all... Poet? Elandril and Cyrus voiced at the same time. Elandril followed up. You don't happen to write villanelles or Petrarchan sonnets in your spare time, do you? Cyrus knows the quarterback lifted his eyebrows. The only thing I write are autographs for cute girls. Lady Elandril frowned. Autographs for cute girls... That's not exactly the most romantic statement of all times. Perhaps this is a riddle that we must figure out in order to defeat the Wraith Lord? Nah, seems like something's not right here, the crater high quarterback replied. Hey, Gratz guy, do you know what the goddess chick here is saying? Cyrus looked over to where Gaddis Bui the Great had been standing only moments earlier. He was gone. Hang on. Just then the vision flickered in and out again. The great Gatsidabui, obsessed with power, wealthy and enigmatic, determined to get what he wants through charm and elegance. Elaine? Cyrus said. Did you hear that? My name is not Elaine. It is... That's just it. The Almightiness's voice here is messed up enough that I don't think we're hearing it correctly. It's not Gatsidabui the Great. It's the great Gatsidabui. A loungeal version guffawing, but she caught herself. Cyrus continued, That name rings a bell. Is that the same name as the dude who played safety for Bison Valley football team? The great Gatsby is definitely not the safety from the Bison Valley team. It's the... The vision spoke again, interrupting a loungeal. Everyone must turn to Langston Hude. Fight against the oppression of his people. Voice of courage and a personal power from Harlem. Isn't that the dude that the great Gatsby asked uh, tomorrow about? Alondril ignored Cyrus as she processed a budding idea. From Harlem? Langston Huge? Langston Hughes? I don't believe it. The powerful hermit, Melebixenson, transcended all those around her in understanding death as life. The voice continues, still fluctuating in its delivery. Though isolated by personal choice, wisdom and truth still shine through her powerful words. Millay Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. A loungerl now spoke mechanically. Whoa, Miss Laren girl, don't go all hypnotic on me. Are you chanting some ancient gnome language or something? What's going on? 
Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, lifted an eyebrow. The community found in Edith Wharton's age of innocence is rife with layered societal meanings. Edith Wharton provides a setting of a dignified and respected society with rich details into the routine customs and traditions within... Cyrus Knowles watched a lounger carefully. Isn't Edith Wharton that place old great Gatsby was talking about? Edith Wharton's The Age of Innocence, Alaundrell answered, still staring straight ahead. Wait a second, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, said. Edith Wharton? That rings a bell, too. Like something I heard in a dream before. Yeah, Alaundrell noted dryly. That's because you were taking a nap. The voice lectured on. Identified by a scarlet letter on clothing, the letter A stood as a symbol. Society recognized the mark. Scarlet letter, Cyrus knows the quarterback echoed. That's another familiar one. Don't you see? Lady Alarondrill vented. Cyrus, look closely at the image. It is something you should be familiar with after spending a whole school year there. Cyrus knows the quarterback edged closer to the shimmering vision. Dude, that's a podium. The thing in the background is, it's an American flag. What the flea flicker is going on here? Look at the book next to the podium, Lady Alaundrill followed up. Cyrus squinted. I see it. It says A2L. The lettering on the binding is faded. It's volume one of poetry classics, covering poets with the last names A2L. Get it? A2L? Atoll? The kingdom we're in right now? On the verge of comprehension, Cyrus was once more interrupted by the voice. To understand the epic journey in this fantasy tale, we must know the basics of the dark tongue of Cholsk-Akishk. Fulchankust comes from the third epic dialect, a vulgar expression of frustration or anger used among the ravine dwellers in the ancient... That definitely does not ring a bell, at least not since today, Cyrus knows the quarterback responded. Lady Laundrell replied, that's because you never took Mrs. Avalon's science fiction and fantasy class, only the required sophomore literature course. Mrs. Avalon? Cyrus readjusted his eyes so as to inspect the figure speaking. Wait a second. Are you kidding me? That's Mrs. Avalon, our teacher. She's in her classroom. Mrs. Avalon ain't no goddess of a fairy tale kingdom. What's going on? Laundrell shook her head. I don't know how it's possible, but it does explain everything from this fantasy world. Their whole culture, legends, names, titles, everything is based off of snippets of lectures from Mrs. Avalon on classic literature and epic fantasies. The voice droned on about different fantasy book settings and characters in enigmatic, staccatoed clips, comparing several different elf races, discussing the legendary orb of pestilence from Svarthurgrud, detailing defense tactics against the flat-nosed trolls of the Chordukstan jungles. Then Alarondrill heard something that made her cock her head. Take everything that you've learned and heard me speak today and know that it is all. Do tomorrow. You must not forget do tomorrow. All your success hinges on knowing that everything is do tomorrow. Hey, our sorcerer dude's name, is that from your fantasy class? Cyrus knows the quarterback asked. No. That was talking about our first trimester essay outline. What is she saying about it? Do tomorrow? 
Sounds like some Spanish phrase or something. Does Mrs. Avalon teach Spanish, too? Sigh, Lowndrill snapped. That tomorrow isn't Spanish. It's plain English. Do tomorrow. The great sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones is named after a due date for a literature essay outline. The next thing either of them knew, Lady Alaundrill started to cry. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, was not really sure how to approach this problem. He awkwardly pat his hand on her back. It's not a bad name, really. It sounded pretty epic when you guys used it. Don't you see? Alaundrill looked at Cyrus through blurred eyes. It's all fake. This whole world isn't what I've always dreamed about. It's all based off of real-world stuff. It's a lie. The people here have been living a lie for who knows how long. There is no goddess. It's a middle-aged, book-nerd, English teacher. The name of the kingdom is based off of Mrs. Avalon's book title next to her podium. Even these people's uniform has the letter A on it. They don't even know that it stands for adultery and not atoll. Adultery? Cyrus repeated. That's what that book was about. Huh. The story finally starts to make some sense. Loundrill's moan after Cyrus's observation made it clear that he was not helping matters. I'll have in common a chosen one who must be recruited to help when the world is threatened, Mrs. Avalon droned on. The chosen one will always be reluctant, but in the end the chosen one is the ultimate hero. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, used this last declaration to his advantage. So the fantasy land dudes might be a bit off. But hey, don't worry about it. I'm the ultimate hero, right? I'm the chosen one. I can fix this still, right? Elarondrill wiped some tears away as she snorted. Right. You, the ultimate hero. I can at least be consoled by knowing that I was right when I told Dow tomorrow... Ahem. <clears throat> do tomorrow. That he must have been mistaken when he chose you. What do you mean? Cyrus asked. Who is Mrs. Avalon's ultimate hero? It's no quarterback. It's de Bergerac. De Bergerac? Who's that? Boy, you sure got a lot of nap time in sophomore lit this year, Elarondrill spouted. The play, Cyrano de Bergerac, by Edmond Rostand. The hero in the play is the swordsman and poet who has everything in life going for him except his... Big nose! Cyrus jumped in. Okay, I remember reading about that dude. Pretty awesome guy. Didn't he take on like a hundred men all by himself? I'm flattered that dude tomorrow took mistook me for him, especially since I've got a perfect-looking nose. You think he scouted out the game against the Mountain High Lobos where I dodged pretty much the whole team to get a 70-yard TD scramble? He did no such thing, Alaundrill spat bitterly. Break down the name Cyrnal de Bergerac, or in other words, Cyrano de Bergerac. Cyrano equals Cyrus Knowles, and de Bergerac equals the quarterback. You just happen to have a name that sounds like their legendary hero, who happens to actually be Mrs. Avalon's favorite guy from a French play. The vision before them suddenly flickered and died. You know, you sure can be a buzzkill sometimes, Elaine. My name is not Elaine. It's... It's... It's all a deception, including my name. You're right, Cyrus. My name is Elaine. Plain old Elaine. Elaine took a moment to watch the shreds of mist drifting through the ruins surrounding them. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of fantasy worlds. She tossed her book to the ground and kicked at it. I'm done with them. Cyrus lifted his eyebrows at her passionate actions, but did not quite know how to respond. I guess I'll start reading memoirs and self-help books. I suppose that's what self-respecting adults all do. It's time for me to grow up. 
Elaine started to briskly vacate the premises before stopping and remarking, Who knows? I might even learn the silly rules to football and actually watch you play some time. At least that's real. Cyrus watched her for a moment before calling out, Hang on, Elaine. Where do you think you're going? Where else? I'm going home. I'll go back to the pond where the swarming lake dwellers of... Where the salmon are. And see if I can't figure out a way back into the storm drain in the parking lot. Cyrus stood rooted to the ground, pondering as he witnessed Elaine stumble over the ground in a huff, while the crater-high quarterback never could have predicted being in such a strange fantasy world. Even more unbelievable to him was what he was about to do next. End part one of book two, The Temple of the Goddess of Ator, of Lady Alandra and Cyrus Knows the Quarterback, volume one of The Kingdom of Atoll Sir. Copyright 2014, Marty Reader. Cyrus Knows the Quarterback Volume 1 of The Kingdom of Atoll Siri by Marty Reader Book 2 The Temple of the Goddess of Atoll Part 2 In spite of Elaine's somber mood while she scrambled towards the mist, Cyrus could not help but chuckle. So, you're done with your life's work, just like that? Elaine stopped, annoyed. I might have known you'd find pleasure in it. You've made fun of my silly books all these years. She took a deep breath. <sighs> and now I know you were right to mock me. Any fantasy world I'll ever truly experience is only as real as my science fiction and fantasy instructors' lectures can make them. Whoa, I'm not taking pleasure in it. I just think it's silly that you'd give up everything so quickly. What about the kingdom of Atoll? What about this Wraith Lord Jerk guy? You walking away from that? Cyrus asked. Elaine acted confused. Well, of course, Cyrus, did you forget? It's not real. They've based everything off of class lectures and books of fiction. Cyrus approached Elaine. Right, he nodded. Then suddenly his hand flew out and pinched Elaine's leg. Ouch, Cyrus, what is your problem? Elaine jumped back. That's right where I got bit earlier. Cyrus smiled. That salmon bite was real, wasn't it? Elaine rubbed her leg. Of course. Then what else matters? Who cares if they call the fish the lake dwellers of Frotech or salmon? Who cares if their kingdom's name is the title of some old poetry book? Who cares if their wisest dude is named after the due date for an essay? Elaine had never expected this kind of response from Cyrus. What are you suggesting? Whatever you want to call the fish, the bite was real. Whatever you call the land, the place is as real as the grass on a football field. He stomped his foot on the ground for emphasis. And whatever dude tomorrow's name is based on, he and his people are in trouble. Real trouble. Not made up. They need help, and we agreed to help them. I say we finish this game. Initially flummoxed, Lane reasserted herself. Except that when they came to you, they thought you were the chosen one. But you're not Cyrano de Bergerac, who is really just a character in a play anyway, Elaine replied. So what? Cyrus shrugged. No matter what my name sounds like, because I know I can do some awesome stuff when I want to. I know I have it in me to be the ultimate hero. Elaine sneered. 
Wow, Cyrus, that football eagle is giving you a god complex. I don't know if our school counselors are trained to deal with something that complicated. It's Cyrus knows the quarterback, Cyrus quipped and spinned his football perfect. And it wouldn't hurt you to get a bit of a god complex. A minute ago, you were upset that there weren't more bad guys or adventures here. The only difference between then and now is that you heard some frizzy-haired English teacher say the names of some old books, and you somehow let that turn you into a chicken. Yeah, but, but nothing. The truth is, a football game is just a sport where guys run around in a big rectangle painted in the grass while they carry a little ball. But if I told myself that it didn't matter, I'd be wrong. That'd be like saying that all the other guys on the team trained and lifted weights and practiced all those months for nothing. Or be like walking away right before a game-winning score because I thought the end zone was just an imaginary space some guy made up years ago. You think giving up because of that silly idea wouldn't crush my team, or my coaches, or the fans? What's important ain't whether some dude made some stuff up years ago. It's the feeling of my teammates and friends now. That's the reality. What reality are you going by? Yours? Or a whole kingdom of people who came to us for help? These people thought we could help them, and for me, that's the only thing that matters. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, let his pep talk sink in for a moment before he started walking off in a different direction. I'm going to take care of the Wraith Lord, dude. And even though I'm pretty awesome, I could use your help. He paused, then finished. See you around, Lady Alarandrill. The Crater High School quarterback stepped into the swirling mists and disappeared, leaving a shocked Elaine standing in her spot. For a moment she mulled over what he had said while wiping away dried tears. Suddenly, a dawning moment overtook her. She shook her head, and then she smiled. She almost laughed. The next thing she knew, she grabbed her abused book off the ground and jogged in Cyrus's direction. You sure could use my help, Cyrus knows the quarterback. The voice caused the brawny boy to stop. Well, I wouldn't say I totally needed it. Just thought it'd be nice, Cyrus replied without turning around. Except that you're headed in the wrong direction. Keep going that way and you'd probably end up in the Dale of Jane Austen. Cyrus knows the quarterback turned around, smiling, and raised his eyebrows. To Jane Austen? Jane Austen. She smiled back. It's actually kind of a fun game to play. So I'm going the wrong way, Cyrus replied. All right, Dragonflower Girl, you'd better show me where the end zone is. We're going this way, hero. Elarondrill hooked her thumb at an angle through the mist. Cyrus squinted. How do you know? It all looks the same to me. Elarondrill pointed to a pale white object on the ground several feet away from them. Cyrus noticed another beyond it, and another beyond that. I unwrapped my gum packet on our way over here and dropped down the wrappers as we walked. We just need to follow them back. Cyrus knows the quarterback shifted into a full-fledged grin. Where the heck did you come up with that idea? Loundrill shrugged. The Phoenix Knights series, the Highland Elf Warrior, tore pieces of his tunic so the company could find their way out of the Kronstadt moor. All right, Highland Elf Warrior, lead the way. Lady Loundrill started forward, and Cyrus knows the quarterback walked a step behind her. Loundrill turned. By the way... To be a Highland Elf Warrior, I would need the birthmark of a crystal butterfly on my neck, so I don't think you're being entirely accurate by calling me that. Sounds like you might just hold up on reading those self-help books for a little bit longer, Cyrus replied. The two probably would have had an interesting conversation, but before a lounger could retrieve even half of her pack of gun wrappers, 
they found themselves staring at the black block of the Wraith Lord's domain. End of Book 2 The Temple of the Goddess of Ator of Lady Alandril and Cyrus Rose the Quarterback Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Ator Seer Copyright 2014 Marty Reader Lady Elarendril and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback, Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll Siri, by Marty Reader. Book 3 The Wraith Lord, Part 1. For a full minute, Lady Elarendril and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback looked at the ominous walls of the Wraith Lord's domain without speaking. The hope sparked in them since Cyrus's talk began to give in to some preliminary tuggings of despair. So, Elarondril finally spoke out. The dark recess in the walls is where I'm assuming the entrance is. On top of the fortress you can see the countless small forms of the Night Shriekers, the ones that attacked our friend Datamaro, making him vulnerable to the Caped Hornbeasts. Where are they, you asked? See those black shadows on the landscape leading to the fort, wandering back and forth? My guess is those are the beasts, probably a few dozen of them. They look to be as big as a full-grown centaur, she caught herself, er, or horse, or cow, or something like that. As their name indicates, they likely have horns, and are intended to trap anyone attempting to enter the Wraith Lord's domain. Don't forget that there are also a smattering of the Wraith Lord's guards wandering about here somewhere, hoping to capture anything or anyone that doesn't belong. Finally, the longer we sit here and stare, the more time the wargs have of arriving and completing this trap of death. Lady Alarondrill eyed Cyrus Knows the quarterback carefully during the whole of her description. So, Chosen One, what's the plan? Cyrus scouted out the wandering silhouetted forms in front of them momentarily before nodding slowly. Okay, you didn't happen to bring a gun, did you? Alarondrill shook her head firmly. Cyrus shrugged. That's too bad. I think that would have made things easier. His lip curled as he gauged her reaction out of the corner of his eyes. Alarondrill pouted. Are you really being frivolous at a time like this? You're the one who convinced me to take this seriously, and now you're joking about this impossible situation? Cyrus held his hands up. If there's one thing I've learned playing football games, it doesn't help to freak out about your opponent. That just gives them a bigger advantage than they already have. Lady Alarondrill rolled her eyes. Very well, you are officially not freaked out. Now what? Cyrus knows the quarterback reasserted his eyes on the field in front of them. The building is really only 40 yards or so away. If the bees can be distracted for 15 seconds, that should be enough time to reach the building. You think you can run 40 yards that fast? Elarondra lied him. Cyrus chortled. Oh, I can totally run it faster than that. I was figuring for someone not used to running and carrying a heavy book. You want me to run to the entrance? Only after I've distracted the caped hornbees and night shriekers. And how do you think you can manage that? Cyrus Snow's quarterback reached down to the hard black ground and scraped a pattern. Here, it's like a football play. Here's the end zone, the fortress, and here are the Cape Horn Beasts in between with Night Shriekers playing prevent at the end zone. Alarondrill did her best to follow the markings with the foreign terms, which made less sense to her than the dwarf ruins from the nether volcanic regions of Gilkemao. Cyrus continued, oblivious to her obliviousness. 
I can sell them on this being a running play, the Ktorm beast will collapse in on me. By getting them to commit too strongly and quickly, I'll be able to flank them, which will cause the secondary, the Night Shriekers, to make their move. Neither of them will realize that this was not a running play at all, and that I'm actually opening a path for a long strike to my wide receiver, you, in the end zone. Alarondrill silently eyed the scrapings on the ground for a moment longer. Well, it certainly looks like you know what you're talking about. Cyrus reviewed the play on the ground and nodded. It's like the play we ran against the Plain City Miners. They never saw it coming. Alarondrill paused a moment before saying, Did you also forget the guards in your play against the Plain City Miners? Or did that game somehow neglect to have any? Cyrus bit his lip. The guards, right. I guess I haven't seen any yet, so I figured they'd be out of the picture. The quarterback scrubbed his chin thoughtfully. Delaundrill located the end zone on the ground scrawlings and made some X's. It is highly likely that the entrance will have two or three guards. According to the siege of Thrudakhin, every fortress in those stories is designed with several entrances, so I imagine other guards will be dispersed around the three other sides, besides a picket line of guards serving as feelers for the outer defenses. Your daring escapade against the Cape Horn Beast will get you past the guards' outer defenses quickly enough that they won't be able to stop you. But even if I could get to the entrance, you'd be in triple coverage, Cyrus finished for her. Right. Elarondrill nodded, not exactly sure what he meant. So we've got to find a way to clear out the end zone of guards as well as night shriekers. Cyrus eyed the X's on the ground critically. You think if I'm yelling out taunts while I'm dodging the Cape Horn Beast, it might draw them out? Sometimes trash talking will get into your opponent's head, and... Elarondrill shook her head. I don't think that calling the Wraith Lord a belly itcher is going to have an impact on the guard's duty to protect their posts. Belly itchers, baseball, Cyrus knows the quarterback corrected, not football. Lady Alarondrill waved her hand. Fine. Still, though, you have a good point. There might be something that could affect them emotionally. Alarondrill looked at Cyrus thoughtfully. You may give me an idea, hero boy. I'm going to need your football. Now? Cyrus asked. Don't you want me to throw it to you as you run into the end zone? Don't push your luck, ball lancer. Alarondrill put her hand out and Cyrus passed her the football. After cradling it awkwardly in her arms, she looked at Cyrus and said, One thing you haven't addressed is what you are going to do after I've gained access to the entrance. You will have successfully distracted the whole of the creature foes away from me, but what are you going to do? Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, smiled. He reached out and helped Alarondrill readjust her grip on the football, sliding her elbow next to her side and slipping her hand over the nose of the football. I ain't no Cyrano poet type, Alarondrill, he said. But if there's one thing you can be sure about, it's that I'll meet you at that entrance within one minute of the snap of the football. You just watch. I'll make up for all the football games you never watched with this one magical play. Alarondrill noticed that Cyrus's hand lingered on her arm. She caught her breath. Cyrus knows the quarterback. I can't tell if your confidence is reckless arrogance or absolute stupidity. Then her voice softened. But if your trembling hand is any indication of how you really feel, then maybe it's just a mask of bravery. Cyrus pulled his hand back. I like the reckless arrogance option. Lady Alarondrill smiled and, with a little bit of reticence, set her book down on the ground. Cyrus watched curiously. You're not taking your book with you? I'm not sure I can run with both. Besides, I don't really need it. Cyrus was not convinced by her poor showing of indifference. He reached down and lifted the book off the ground, aptly cradling it in one arm. 
I'll take it. Don't be ridiculous, Cyrus knows a quarterback, Lady Alarondrill protested. You're already doing the hardest part of this whole adventure. I'm not going to endanger you any further by making you carry my book around. Not doing it for you, Cyrus shrugged. I'm just used to running with something, that's all. He avoided eye contact with Alarondrill and gazed over the field of play. Now, we'd better set this play into action before the play clock runs out. Or before those Wargo thingies show up. End part one of book three, The Wraithville, of Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knows the Quarterback. Volume one of The Kingdom of Atoll Syria. Copyright 2014, Marty Reader. Cyrus Holes, the Quarterback. Volume 1 of The Kingdom of Atoll Siri by Marty Reader. Book 3 The Wraith Lord. Part 2. The six foot five sophomore from Crater High School, number 34, Cyrus Knowles, the Quarterback, stepped through the swirling mist dominating the field of play between him and the end zone. If he had been nervous in the huddle with the Larondrill, it did not show now. He paused for a moment as the wandering shadows of beasts ambled back and forth in front of him. He gathered his breath, then crouched down, putting one of his hands on his knees. His other hand gripped Larondrill's large fantasy volume neatly tucked into his side. Red 32! Red 32! Black 6! Hut! Hut! Hike! Cyrus's clarion call into the darkened mist immediately caused the caped horned beast to turn towards him. For a split second they calibrated, and then as soon as Cyrus screamed, Hike! they collectively charged towards the sound. The thunder that resulted might have made some people jump for cover, but not Cyrus. Instead, he did something so unexpected that even the caped horned beast had not ever seen anything like it. Cyrus knows the quarterback sprinted straight for the converging herd. Upon closer inspection, the stampeding black forms showed blunt bodies, powered by four muscle-bound legs leading to hoofed feet. At the front of this massive body could be found a wide animal head bordered by a curly mane and topped by two fierce-looking black horns. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, came close enough to the forerunners of the herd to distinguish these characteristics before he made a sudden feint to the left and then bolted to the right. In their eagerness to be among the first to gore the intruder, the caped horned beasts were thrown off by Cyrus's athletic maneuver. The leaders tumbled to a stop, but not before their rushing companions collided into them, creating mass confusion and disarray. Cyrus knows the quarterback, by this time, had breached the right wing of the defense. He had a clear shot to the fortress entrance if he wanted it, yet he knew that this complicated play was just beginning. As if to confirm that thought, Rising off the top of the fortress like a disturbed hornet's nest, the black flapping forms of the night shriekers zeroed in on Cyrus's form. Cyrus nodded, satisfied, and cried out, Blitz! He felt this call would be the appropriate signal for a drill to make her move to the fortress, since it meant that the defense had now put all their men towards the line of scrimmage, opening up the backfield. In the corner of his eye, he saw the lithe girl spring apprehensively for the entrance. By this time, the swarming night shriekers found themselves diving towards Cyrano. 
He got a close enough view of the individual creatures to recognize they were smaller than a football, had leather wings with a spidery frame, immense ears, and open mouths displaying dozens of razor-sharp teeth. That view was close enough for Cyrus. At the last moment, Cyrus dove to the side just as hundreds of night shriekers shot past the spot he had been standing at only moments earlier. He wasted no time in diving the other direction as soon as he landed in order to dodge the tail end of the flock of night shriekers who had adjusted for his first move. As soon as he stood up from his second dive, he noticed that the caped horned beasts had shuffled so as to face Cyrus and block his access to the fortress. Behind him, the night shriekers boomeranged around for another offensive. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, noted that both enemies this time around spread out, using their superiority in numbers to limit the quick movements that had been his staple so far. They learn fast, he noted. With only a couple of seconds before the trap would complete itself, Cyrus took a deep breath. Though he was not exactly sure of his next move, he had anticipated this kind of daunting challenge. Inside, the reality of his situation slammed into him, and Cyrus knows the quarterback felt a spike of adrenaline. His reaction was not what one would expect. I love this, he whispered to himself fiercely. Just as the sound of the thundering hooves of the Cape Torn beasts in front of him began to mix with the flapping wings of the night shriekers behind him, Cyrus knows the quarterback shot forward. The first Cape Torn beast had bowed his head in anticipation of a violent goring but Cyrus simply used the lowered head as an excuse to spring over the beast. His athletic muscles snapped him into the air, and he used the hand not holding the book to guide him over the massive beast's body. The second his agile legs found footing on the other side, he immediately had to deal with the caped horn beast following the leader. This time, Cyrus knows the quarterback dropped to the ground, feet forward, using his momentum to slide through a gap under the iron legs of the beast. While Cyrus made his first couple of forays into the stampeding herd of the Cape Horn Beasts, the Night Shriekers had made their diving attack from behind him. Once he jumped over the first beast, however, the leading Night Shriekers could not adjust their strike quickly enough, and they slammed into the unfortunate Cape Horn Beast leader. The others recalibrated course, but only in time to crash into the second Cape Horn Beast that Cyrus had slid under. This created enough confusion that the already misty field was now further impaired in visibility by dust from stomping caped beasts, as well as haphazardly biting night shriekers flapping low to the ground. While that enabled Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, to be less of a target, it also made his movements through the herd difficult to systemize. Every step could be an opening towards a fortress, or a blind move into a rogue caped beast or night shrieker. Cyrus dodged a few frenzied Cape Horn beasts and ducked away from a careening night shrieker as he looked around to try to discern his next move. After getting slammed by a backwards-moving Cape Horn beast, a view opened up of the black fortress reaching above the gray dust. The path towards it lay obstructed by about five layers of disorganized beasts, and the air above was infiltrated by a scattering of aimless night shriekers. Behind him, Cyrus could hear the herds starting to regroup, a few of them must have realized his location and were refocusing for a final rush. Now or never, Cyrus thought. With his path on the ground blocked, Cyrus knew that he would need to take a different route. He tightened his grip on Elandril's book and once again charged forward. Upon reaching the first unsuspecting Cape Horn beast, Cyrus lightly vaulted upwards, landing foot-first on the back of the beast. Before the creature could even register what had happened, Cyrus leapt his back for the back of the beast beyond. As he acrobatically leapfrogged from the back of one of beast to another, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, also had to dodge the prowling night shriekers meandering along his path, 
bending his body awkwardly or spinning dangerously as he leaped into the air. There was still one more night shrieker to dodge by the time he reached the final beast's back, but Cyrus had run out of spring. The night shrieker swooped to latch onto his legs, so Cyrus simply tumbled off the Cape Horn beast's back headfirst, keeping his legs just out of the teeth of the shrieker, and as his head just about smacked the ground, Cyrus tucked his chin to his chest and managed to roll onto the dirt, bringing his legs out in front of him and coming to a standing stop. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, shook the dust off his head and looked around. Amazingly, he was free of foes, and nothing lay between him and the fortress but open ground. The caped horned beasts and night shriekers also realized this and pounced after him. Cyrus needed no further incentive to resume his race. His ever-ready limbs sprang into effect ahead of his pursuers, and he zeroed in on the final 25 yards towards the end zone. Though the tumbling mass of the Cape Horn Beasts were grinding into top speed and the streaking wings of the Night Shriekers accelerated behind him, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, knew that no one would catch him in the open field. Like a machine, he pumped his arms and legs faster and faster, his breathing rhythmically matching the increasing pace. Soon he not only held the creatures at bay, but in a beautiful display of sheer strength, he expanded his lead. Cyrus's eyes were so focused on the black void that was the entrance to the fortress that he never saw the rogue night shrieker diving for his face until the last second. The lone animal had retreated back to the fortress in the confusion of the first failed attack, but now recognized with reckless glory his duty to bring the intruder down at all costs. The streaking form plunging into his upper periphery caused Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, to execute an improvised football tactic. He rushed the hand, which held the fantasy volume out in front of him, his fingers gripping the edge and palm facing the book forward, his elbow locked. The quarterback's book-capped stiff arm caught the night shrieker completely off guard. The result had the night shrieker smash into the book's leather binding mouth first and ricochet to the ground in an inglorious heap. Before Cyrus could register what had just occurred, he saw a familiar arm beckon from the dark entrance. He rushed headlong towards it and dashed inside. Immediately, the blackness swallowed him and someone slammed the door shut behind him, cutting off the menacing sounds of his failed pursuers. In the safety of the fortress, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, finally brought his triumphant sprint to a halt. The only thing he lacked was a spike in the end zone. But he was pretty sure that Lady Alarandrill would disapprove to the abuse of her book. End Part 2 of Book 3, The Wraithlord of Lady Alarandrill and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback, Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll Series. Copyright 2014. Marty Reader. Lady Alarandrill and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback. Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll series by Marty Reader Book 3 The Wraith Lord Part 3 Cyrus knows the quarterback, Elarondrill muttered. What you just accomplished rivals the final battle of the Lothguardian series. Cyrus sensed more than understood the compliment in her statement. He gathered his breath. Well, you may be interested to know that the Cape Horn Beast thingies are actually buffalo. American bison? Alarandrill replied. 
Probably not American. I'm guessing Aetolian, but I ain't no animal scientist. That's just the name of the species. Aloundrill could not tell if Cyrus was joking or ignorant, but she gave him a pass since she was still in awe of his incredible feat. And the night shouters are night shriekers, Aloundrill corrected. Right. Well, they're bats. Maybe Canadian or could be even Australian, but they're definitely bats. Huh, Aloundrill commented. Interesting. Cyrus's eyes were still adjusting to the darkness in the tall, narrow corridor of the fortress. He squinted as he tried to discern Aloundrill's face. You're not sad? I mean, I know it was hard before when you found out some of these cool things really just normal things. Nah, Alarondrill waved her hand. In fact, I'm finding it fascinating. For instance, this normal football that you let me borrow has an extraordinary effect on that guard crouched over in the corner there. Alarondrill held up the football and used it to point to someone huddled in the recess of the hallway. As soon as he saw the ball bend in his direction, he let out a pathetic yelp and whimpered with his head sealed to his arms. Cyrus's eyebrows lifted. Loundrill, what'd you do? That dude looks like he's seen a ghost. Well, as we suspected, there were four guards at the entrance, so as soon as I got there, I told them that I was the great sorceress Lady Loundrill of Beowulf, and that I was wielding the orb of pestilence from Svarthgurd. Cyrus could not help but interrupt. The door of pestering what? Orb of Pestilence, Aloundrill emphasized each syllable strong enough that the guard down the hallway heard her and sniveled in fear. Then Aloundrill lowered her voice. It's in the Unicorn Hunter series. I heard Mrs. Avalon, er, the goddess of Atoll, mention it while we were in the place of visions. I assumed that since she had spoken about it, people here would take it quite seriously, even if it never really existed. So I took your orb, she held up the football, and pointed it at the guards and told them that I would touch them with it unless they immediately vacated the premises. Then I told the last one to open the door and go inside so that he could lead us to the Wraith Lord. Cyrus knows the quarterback looked at the football, then at the guard, then the football again. What exactly does the football, er, orb of pestiness, do that freaks him out so much? Alarondrel shrugged. It simply infects any who are touched by it with a disease that within hours of receiving it opens a person's capillaries so that they slowly bleed internally through the pores externally until they are brought to a long and anguished death days later. Of course, by the time the process is complete, no one would recognize the person, nor would they want to try, since the disease is highly contagious even in death for months afterwards, wiping out whole civilizations. Cyrus grinned. Uh, I don't know if even I want to touch my own football now. Alarondrill smiled. Well, you can't, at least not while the guard is nearby. After I'm done using it, though, I'm going to force you to take it back, because it was no picnic running around with it. Don't get me started on your book, Cyrus replied. But then he corrected himself. Though it did save me from a night bat shrieker. I guess I can't ever say that books are totally useless anymore. Their conversation was cut short by a blubbering noise in the hallway. Please, great sorceress, please just let me go. Alarondrill turned to the guard, swinging the football in front of her. Not yet, simpleton. First you must take us to the Wraith Lord. The guard suffered a moment of torture. The Wraith Lord will not be pleased. Alarondrill replied, Nor will your pain-racked body in the next couple of hours unless you do as I say. The guard popped off the ground, trembling. This way, your worship. The guard kept one eye on the stone walkway in front of him and one on the orb of pestilence stalking behind him. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, could not help but quit. Shoot. 
What I wouldn't give to see the other team as scared of the football as this dude is. The group then fell into silence as the guards shuffled them through the darkness until they approached an entrance that had dark, waving lights reflecting off one end of its frame. The guard pointed that direction, then plastered himself to the other side of the corridor, and sniveling, wormed his way past them. Before Alarandrell and Cyrus could inquire into his actions, the guard broke into a run and ran back towards his original post. Cyrus made a move to get him, but then he and Alarandrell heard voices. Forgetting the guard, they inched up to the edge of the entrance and listened. I only tell you what I know your astronomicalness, a voice protested defensively. They were already here when I met them. In the chamber beyond the entrance, the replying voice resonated ominously in a hoarse and clipped manner. I told you to stop calling me that. Now describe this chosen one and his companion. The man was a giant, and... Well, most are compared to you, the voice replied. I'm not... Short, oh powerful wraith lord, I just have poor posture and tend to hunch over in your dominating presence. Besides, I... Cyrus and Alarangel looked at each other. Gattaspui the Great, they murmured simultaneously. They scooted to the edge of the entrance and peered into the chamber beyond. They could not see much, only that it was lit by a dull light shimmering from the center of the chamber, which they could not quite view from their angle. They did see, however, Gattaspui the Great cowering before the glowing light, trying to make his rebuttal. Just continue with your description, the Wraith Lord interrupted him. Very good, your physicalness, Gattisbury the Great yielded. The Wraith Lord's voice began a correction, but thought better of it, and Gattisbury the Great continued. The girl held a large book, and I assume it holds great spells and secrets that could increase your power immensely. Did you see the writing on the book? the voice asked. No, your wraithiness. She held it close to her and did not reveal it. She seemed to be at least partially aware of our land and customs, for she knows about our legends of dwarves, and she recognized my uniform denoting allegiance to the kingdom of Atoll. Then they think you are a loyal Atolian. I believe so, O shimmering vision in the darkness. Where did you last see them? I left them at the temple of the goddess of Atoll. Before Dad Tamaro met his end outside your fortress, he instructed me to take them there. What for? We completely destroyed the temple, right? The voice rattled the room. Yes, yes, your most magically lensed Inus. This last strangely formed title caused even the wordy Lowndrill to shake her head. Gattisbury the Great, however, continued on regardless. But Dad Tamaro gave me a pellet and said something about visions coming before the temple. Then the visions are still happening? The voice rose in volume. The goddess hasn't been eliminated? Gattisbury the Great trembled. I could not stay long after she revealed herself because I feared her great powers would see through my guise and know me to be the traitor to Atoll. But yes, O Wraith of the Stars, I left the goddess communicating with the woman and the Chosen One. There was a pause for a moment and some harsh mumbling coming from the voice. Finally it said, I still don't understand this Chosen One legend. Explain it to me again. I am not a sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones, O Magician of the Dark Skies, so I have never heard the prophecies from the goddess of Atoll herself. But from what I have been taught as a child, the legend says that the Chosen One is the ultimate hero who will be recruited when our world is threatened. Huh, the voice responded. Well, if you'd taken care of that tomorrow when you were supposed to, then we would have avoided all this Chosen One nonsense. Goddess be the Great bowed his head and replied, that Maru is the most powerful of the sorcerers you're floating in airness. 
In the end, it took a whole herd of Cape Horn Beasts and a flock of night shriekers to do him in. Fine, the voice replied, annoyed. Well, describe this precious chosen one some more. Where does it come from? What does he look like? His place of origin is a mystery to me. Before Datamaro disappeared, I overheard him speaking to Langstone the Huge and said something about how he'd been following the threads of lodestone power and that he thought he might be able to locate the hidden world where the chosen one could be drawn from his reluctant state to become the great hero of the kingdom of Atolm, according to the prophecy. Right, right, great hero prophecy, blah, blah. I kind of doubt he can get rid of me so easily. Tell me more about this great warrior. Well, over his tunic he wore a coat with both bright and dark colors that had emblems and writing covering it. He also held some strange oblong object that seemed to be of leather with a lacing holding it together. I know not what was inside of it, but that may be the key to his undoing. Hmm. What writing was on the coat? Gattus the Great tapped his chin thoughtfully. His clothing was bent most of the time, so I could not discern perfectly all the emblems. One of them said, Crater, and there was another that had a strange word I did not recognize. It said, Football. Football? The voice suddenly perked up. Yes, is it a hex word you are familiar with? The voice ignored the question. What color was the coat? Black sleeves with a bright scarlet color for the center. The emblems were mixtures of scarlet and black. Now, get us breathe. This is important. The word crater. Was it followed by the word high? Get us breathe the great thought a moment. You know, I think it was some kind of word with an H and an I in it. The voice now seemed to breathe deeply. A letterman's jacket. As soon as the voice rasped out this revelation, Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knows the quarterback stared at each other. How does the Wraith dude know about letterman jackets? Cyrus asked, his own letterman jacket shuffling as he turned to look at Alarondrill. Back in the chamber, Gattisbury the Great responded, slightly confused. The girl seemed to be more intelligent in her speaking, so I would say maybe she was the letter woman. Alarondrill resisted the urge to smirk. Gattisbury continued. But it is true, O Master of the Darkness, that the Chosen One did have the emblems of many letters on his coat. Then it's possible. To have emblems on coats? Gattisbury the Great replied, his confusion deepening. It is. I've had this emblem of an A on my tunic for as long as I've owned it. No, you moron, to switch worlds. The Chosen One comes from my world. Until now, I wasn't sure how far my power could reach into the kingdom of Atold. But now that I know that I could switch worlds, the possibilities are endless. You mean you would no longer be a wraith? Gattisbury the Great asked. No, I would enter your world in flesh and bones and rule as your emperor. The voice gathered excitement. Perhaps if I readjusted my calculations, or maybe if I searched for a stronger electromagnetic field than where I am now and simply refocused the energy. At that point, he was talking to himself. Not to interrupt your white-robed glory, but aren't you forgetting one thing still? Gattisbury the Great slabbered. The voice stopped, irritated. What? Gattisbury the Great lifted his head to respond, but he was interrupted. Me! Lady Alarondrill gasped at the headstrong bravery of her companion. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, had stepped into the chamber of the Wraith Lord. For a brief moment there was a pause, and then simultaneously Alarondrill heard two voices speak out in complete befuddlement. Cyrus Knowles? Mr. Cowles? Alarondrill started. Mr. Cowles, she said to herself. Then Alarondrill stepped through the entrance and saw, hovering above the ground in the center of the chamber, 
the image of Crater High School's physics and astronomy teacher, Mr. Cows. End part three of book three, The Wraith Lord, of Lady Alarandrill and Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. Volume one of the Kingdom of Atoll series. Copyright 2014, Marty Reader. Larendrill and Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll series by Marty Reader. Book 3 The Wraith Lord. Part 4. You're the chosen one? Mr. Cowles questioned while looking Cyrus up and down. Larendrill noticed that his image of Mr. Cowles held similarities to the one of Mrs. Avalon with the same dim, holographic scene, except that instead of showing snippets of Mr. Cowles' lectures, this vision had Mr. Cowles responding in real time to everything they were saying. You're the Wraith Lord, dude? Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, equally looked Mr. Cowles up and down. The teacher's large glasses magnified his squinty eyes. His black, stringy hair crawled down to his forehead and ears. His lanky hands fell despondently to each one of his sides. The only thing that added light to the otherwise murky image was his white lab coat. Elaine Hatch? Mr. Cowles suddenly recognized Elarondrill in the background. It's Lady Elarondrill, she corrected. Whatever, Elaine, Mr. Cowles grumbled in return. Now the original shock of seeing each other had worn off. Mr. Cowles followed up with, This explains why you skipped fourth period. Alarondrill reflected for a moment. It was jarring to try to think of their original world, even after only having been in this one for a little over an hour. Did we end up taking that quiz on Chapter 5, or did you just put it off for tomorrow? Mr. Cowles found himself in automatic teacher mode. Well, we didn't take the quiz, but you'll have to get someone's notes, because I clarified the Kepler model, which will certainly be on the quiz tomorrow. Cyrus knows the quarterback, shook his head. Um, could you guys work this out later? First of all... Why is Mr. Cowles the wraith guy in some crazy otherworld kingdom? Mr. Cowles turned his gaze back on Cyrus and scowled. Can't figure it out on your own, Cyrus. You always did need help on schoolwork, didn't you, cornerback boy? Quarterback, Cyrus corrected. Mr. Cowles shrugged off Cyrus' statement. He repositioned his glasses up and down, something Elarondrill recognized as him meaning business, and then took control. Now, I'll be asking the questions. I need to know exactly how you got to that world. Elarondrill about responded, but Cyrus held his hand up and whispered to her. We never let the other team know our plays. He turned to Mr. Cowles. First, you tell us how you became the Wraith, dude. Mr. Cowles' squinting eyes seemed to burrow into Cyrus, but the crater high quarterback stood his ground. Finally, Mr. Cowles seethed between clenched teeth. If either of you don't want to be turned over to Vice Principal Miller for skipping class, then you'd better tell me how you got there right now. Sarah shrugged. We're not even in the same world as Creator High School, so both you and Vice Principal Miller have about as much power as a water boy who missed the bus to the big game. That's easy for you to say, Alarondrill whispered to Cyrus from the side. You don't have his class this trimester. Cyrus ignored her. Mr. Cowles' hands clamped shut as he replied, Excellent point, Cyrus Knowles. If only you'd shown as much capacity in my class last trimester, you might have got a decent grade. Cyrus turned to Alarondrill and clarified, 
He was decent enough to pass the class and still play football. But you assume that I don't have the means of affecting you in that world, Mr. Cowles continued, and that isn't true. If you haven't been made aware, I'm pretty respectable in the kingdom of Atoll. Well, you're feared, Cyrus acknowledged, but that don't make you respectable. Mr. Cowles' thin jaw hardened. You sure act like a cocky little hero, don't you? We'll see how much of a hero you are when I match you against my minions from that world. Though Alarondrill felt all the urgency of an epic showdown between two opposing forces of good and evil, something she'd always dreamed of being a part of, she felt she had to sit this one out. She did, after all, have a quiz in Mr. Cowles' class tomorrow, and she could not afford to get a bad grade on it. Minions? Cyrus Mill's quarterback's confidence seems to rise as their conversation continued. Do you mean the fish, buffalo, and bats? I, well, yes, Mr. Cowles replied. Because they weren't that big of a problem for us. He nodded his head towards Lady Alondrill. Did you have something else? I hear the Wargo thingies are on their way. Do you want to watch us handle them, too? Gatsby the Great, who had been more than a little bit confused by this whole conversation, finally gathered enough to mutter, Wait a second. How did you get into this fortress? He turned to Mr. Cowles. Oh, master of complicated numbers, you directed the caped hornbees and night shakers to repel any intruders, not to mention having the guards block the entrance and monitor the perimeter. He looked back in awe as Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, and Lady Alarondrill. There is some powerful force at play here if these two, without the aid of Dow tomorrow, were able to vanquish these security measures. Mr. Cowles glared at Cyrus and Alarondrill for a moment as he considered what happened. Then his hard face weakened. He sighed and said, Get us, Bui, why don't you step out for a moment? I want a word alone with these two students. I mean, heroes. Catesby the Great seemed about to protest, but the look on Mr. Cowles's face, the same look he used when students came into his room tardy, Alarondrill recognized, made him rethink. Catesby the Great instead cowered towards one of the chamber's numerous exits. As he disappeared, Mr. Cowles added, You'll be given directions soon enough. Once the diminutive servant vacated, Mr. Cowles turned backwards towards Cyrus Snow's quarterback and Lady Alarondrill. I'll tell you a little bit, but then you need to tell me how you got there. We'll see, Cyrus responded, determined to maintain control of the situation. Surprisingly, Mr. Cowles acceded. I was preparing an experiment in electromagnetic fields for my class in my lab office just a few months ago. When I moved the electromagnetic currents to just the right spot, I suddenly noticed that I could see an image of another place floating between the conductors. I tried to figure out where the place was for days, but there weren't a whole lot of clues. It pretty much just showed marshes and fog, and that's about it. Finally, one day, a man was walking past, and I said out loud, I wonder who that is. To my surprise, the man turned my direction and went white. I couldn't believe he could hear and see me. Turned out, the guy was that bumbling shorty, Gatisbui. Ahem. Alarondrill could not help but interrupt. It's Gatisbui the Great. Mr. Cal squinted over at Alarondrill. Whatever. Anyway, as I spoke with... with... with that gate guy... He kept on thinking I was some kind of god. He kept on calling me lord and a bunch of other titles. He told me that I was his ruler and he would hand over the kingdom of Atoll to me if I, he could be my royal steward, or something along those lines. So you let that dude talk you into being the head honcho of a kingdom from another world? Cyrus asked. Mr. Cal shuffled a bit. I guess I... 
Well, I'd just applied for a vice principal job at Crater Middle School, and they told me that I didn't have what it takes to be a leader. I knew they were wrong, and then this came up at a time where I felt I could prove it. So, the next time you applied for a job, you were thinking you'd put Gady the Great as a reference? No, Mr. Cowell said abruptly. I wouldn't expect teenagers to understand. Lady Alarondrill could not help but jump in at this point. How did you do it, then, Mr. Cowles? You have guards. You built this fortress and destroyed the temple of the goddess of Atoll. How did you become so powerful, the de facto leader of a group of people you can only see and hear? Mr. Cowles' eyes lit up. I can do more than just see and hear, Elaine. I... He reassessed his audience. Well, I'd explain my theories, but I'm sure they'd be lost on you. I know that you can get animals to attack us, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, replied. Clever, field ball boy, Mr. Cowles said. He thought of something, turned around and grabbed an item behind him, placing it on his lab office's countertop. Though the image was misty, Alarondrill and Cyrus recognized that he had moved his plasma globe, which showed small tendrils of electricity snaking out to the edge of the class sphere before disappearing and being replaced by another. If I place this in just the right spot in between my electromagnetic field conductors, the power of the plasma gold can be channeled through me to that world. He placed his hands on the globe and angled his face towards the buzzing electrical strings of light. Observe. For a moment, nothing happened. Suddenly, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, stepped back. Hey, he exclaimed, looking down. His letterman jacket, he noticed, had suddenly begun to lift up, guided by the front. The process was gradual, but eventually it elevated him enough that his toes came off the ground and he was hanging in the air above the image of Mr. Cowles. How are you doing that? Lady Alarondrill questioned, her eyes glued to Cyrus's floating form. Enhanced magnetism. I'm using the magnetic fields in that world to lift him up by the metal buttons on his letterman jacket. You see, every person has a small electromagnetic field within their own mind. I'm using mine to channel it in this more powerful field that I've created in my lab, then through to that world. The electromagnetic fields in that world are far more susceptible to influence than here. So without making a lot of effort, I have tremendous power. If I wanted to, he said with sinister undertones, I could throw this idiotic football player across the room with just a twitch. Cyrus knows the quarterback deftly reached for his buttons, and snapped himself free of the jacket, lightly landing on his feet while the jacket remained floating in the air above him. I maybe ain't the best student, he said, but I ain't an idiot. And he removed his belt with its metal buckle and then dropped some coins from his pocket to the ground. Mr. Cowell shrugged and allowed the jacket to drop. Okay, I get the magnetic currents, Alarondrill remarked, but how is any of this even possible? These are two different worlds. How could there be a connection between them? Through the use of my powers, I was able to search out all areas of the kingdom, feeling for electromagnetic fields of people and animals, but also of the rocks and minerals on the ground. After doing some rough mapping, I found an interesting correlation between the geography of our world versus theirs. Correlation? Cyrus knows the quarterback looked back to Lady Alarondrill for help. Alarondrill asked, What connection did you find between the geography of the two worlds? Mr. Cowell smiled smugly. They are the same. How are they the same? They have similar minerals, similar climate. Mr. Cow shook his head and then slowly emphasized each word. They are the same. What is this dude talking about? Cyrus, who had been in control at one point, now found himself trailing. 
But there is a pond here, and there's not one in our world, and this place has lots of mists and marshes, but Crater Valley, our home, does not, Alarandrel countered. Mr. Knowles nodded. True, but don't you remember the history of Crater Valley? The original settlers had to set up a very complex drainage system to get rid of the marshes. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, surprised himself with his response. Mr. Cowles and Lady Alarandrel looked over at him curiously. He shrugged. The landscape dude for the football field explained it to us after the field got really soggy from a rainstorm. He said that's what we get for playing on a swamp. Mr. Cowles lifted his eyebrows for a moment before continuing. I suppose athletics does have some educational benefit, even if it is on accident. Anyway, the marsh is what creates the mist. Crater Valley would have those mists more often if the valley's water had not been reallocated. Alarondrill eyed Mr. Cowles curiously. That explains the marsh and the mists, but I'm not sure how they could be the same place. Mr. Cowles readjusted his stance to put himself in lecture mode. Tens of thousands of years ago, a meteorite fell out of the sky and hit the earth, creating this crater valley where we live. You were supposed to learn about this back in the third grade, he eyed Cyrus suspiciously. I remember, Cyrus objected. We didn't get the name Crater High School for nothing. Very well, Mr. Cowles continued. This is my theory. The meteorite's impact made such a large disturbance in the region's electromagnetic field that it created two coinciding worlds. Two worlds? Cyrus asked skeptically. Another dimension, Alarandrill said, mesmerized. Something like that, Mr. Cowles said. It would be similar to striking a tuning fork and seeing the same tongue blurring in two different spots at the same time. Mr. Cowles now had their complete attention, something he was not used to as a teacher, so he pressed forward eagerly. Two different worlds progressed on very similar paths, except that in one, the one you're in right now, the electromagnetic presence remained very strong. Once men entered the scene, the strong men and women were those who could use their electromagnetic impulses to alter those around them. On the other hand, in our world, where the electromagnetic presence was weak, we focused more on other technologies to drive our civilization. So, they are in the same spot as us, just a different dimension. And our worlds can connect? Elandrel tried to recap. Correct. Where there is a strong electromagnetic field on our side, it can connect with the residual places of electromagnetic fields on their side. That is why when I set up my lab experiment, it opened up a view into their world. Not just their world, but the place on their world that corresponds with the location of your office lab. Mr. Cowles considered her statement. Precisely. Lady Alarondrill turned to Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. Don't you see? she whispered. That's why everything was so close, no more than two or three minutes apart. What do you mean? Cyrus was on the verge of being hopelessly lost. There were a few parallels in the football-playing realm that matched this situation. We never left the high school campus. Um, actually, Cyrus began, think about it. In our world, we were last in the parking lot. How long does it take to get from the north parking lot to Mr. Cowles' classroom? Cyrus thought about it. Well, I had him for first period last trimester, and if I left my house at a quarter two, I could park and still have two minutes to get to class. He realized what he had just said. Two minutes? Exactly, Elarondrill responded. And how much time from there to Mrs. Avalon's class? Cyrus shrugged. 
Uh, I don't know. I never had her class after Cal's. It's maybe four minutes. It's on the other side of the school. Alarondrill nodded. That sounds right. I go from Mrs. Avalon's to Mr. Cal's this trimester. But if I could cut through the middle of the building and not worry about hallway traffic, I'll bet it would only take two minutes or so. The same amount of time it took for us to go from the fortress to the temple ruins. Cyrus completed. Whoa. Mr. Cowles had the look of every teacher who had ever been, and always will be, interrupted by students talking during class. Are you two quite finished with your discussion yet? We're just realizing that you are right, Lady Alarondrill gave the best possible response that an ego-driven teacher could hear. But what about the animals? You never explained how you went all Dr. Doolittle on them, Cyrus Snow's a quarterback pressed. Mr. Cowles smiled. Now we'll switch from theoretical physics to a little bit of biology. How do migrating animals find their way across thousands of miles of land or ocean to reach their destinations? Cyrus shrugged. Ask in directions? Alarondrill jumped in. I'm guessing that it has something to do with magnetism. Exactly. Their electromagnetic fields subconsciously tell them where magnetic north is, and then they use that to direct themselves to their destination. And you use that to alter their magnetic fields so as to send them to the place that you want them to go, like to guard your fortress or where an enemy is, Elarondrill capably deduced. Not only that, but by jumbling their electromagnetic fields, I can give them headaches, which makes them irritable and aggressive, Mr. Cal smirked. I've even been able to direct that irritability towards specific people, effectively targeting them. Lady Elarondrill gasped. That must be what you did to Langstone the Huge and Malay Bittenson and other sorcerers of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones. Mr. Cowell snuffed. Such a fancy title for saying that these amateurs simply knew how to manipulate magnetic rocks to their advantage and trick others into thinking they were great sorcerers. Cyrus knows the quarterback tensed. Do you mean to tell me that you had your animals kill off these people? Mr. Cowell had a confused look on his face. They were the most opposed to my rule. They openly defied me by reversing my works with their rudimentary directions of magnetism powers. That blasted Dutamaro guy was the worst of the bunch, scattering the herds after I'd gathered them together. I tried to warn them several times, but they kept it up. Mr. Cowles' frustration showed on his face, but it now transformed to disdain. The whole time, the group of clowns claimed that they wanted to protect the kingdom but the reality was that they wanted to protect the power that they had over the people with their cheap magician's tricks and silly legends. Dude, Cyrus scolded, that's messed up. They weren't tricking anyone. To them, it's real. It don't matter what we think is real. To them, that magnet stuff is magic. It's their science, man. Mr. Cowles was taken aback by Cyrus's passion. Even Lady Alarondrill was impressed. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, continued, you want to know what the reality is, Mr. Cows? The reality is that what you did is murder. There was a long silence. Mr. Cows' eyes narrowed. That is a high and mighty charge from a C-minus student. He took a breath for a moment and then continued. Let me remind you that you're talking about a people in a place that does not even really exist in our world. The people there, according to us, aren't real. The people there live off a whole belief system based on lies. The death of a few of them is as insignificant as the death of a few ants who believe the world is as big as their anthill and that the boot coming down from them is punishment from their god. 
Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, was about to rebut this statement, but Lady Alondra jumped in, her eyes blazing with indignation. You know what, Mr. Cowles? I don't even care about that quiz tomorrow. I'm just going to tell you straight out. You're dead wrong. I learned something just a little while ago from a C-minus student who has the most pure heart of anyone I've ever known and a better understanding of what really matters than any straight-A kid I've ever met. He taught me that reality is what we feel in here. She pointed at her own heart. Not at the words we use to label something or what we might call the beliefs we use to shape our worlds. The reality that is so elusive to you is that these are real people with real lives and real feelings. By killing them off, you can expect real consequences. Maybe not now, but someday, in some way, you can expect to pay the price for being so callous with something as precious as life, in whatever form it takes. A long silence reigned in the chamber. Mr. Cowles looked from Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, to Lady Alarondrill and back again. He gazed down at his plasma globe, contemplating, then finally his eyes reconnected with theirs. Well... I've never thought I'd get a lecture on what's right and wrong from a couple of students who couldn't be more polar opposites. But you make a compelling argument. However, there was one thing that you seem to have overlooked in it. I think we covered the basics, Cyrus replied, that you are a murderer. Mr. Cowles ignored Cyrus. It's that I haven't killed anyone. These deaths have occurred due to frenzied minds of a bunch of wild animals. Cyrus and the lounger were about to counter this petty loophole, but Mr. Cowles beat them to it. And that is why I will sleep just fine tonight, after you've been wiped out by a group of wild wolves. I believe you call them wargs or something. That have just happened to find their way into this fortress after I had gatesby opened the entrances. Mr. Cowles shook his head. You thought I was just telling you everything I discovered free of charge? Typical students thinking they can get something for nothing. No, the price for listening was the delay that I needed to finally get these wolves here. Cyrus and Alarondrill suddenly heard some shuffling in the multiple corridors leading to the chamber they found themselves in now. Both heard the distinctive sound of growling. Mr. Cowles added smugly, I am impressed with your ability to have gotten past the herbivore bison and the harmless bats, football boy, but I think you'll both have a little bit more trouble in these close quarters surviving a group of natural hunters. Mr. Cowles' smile suddenly turned despicable. Either way, I'm sure I'll be entertained watching you try. At that moment, each entrance of the chamber showed the snarling face of a large wolf. They slavered at Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, with an unnatural hatred that made it clear that they had one purpose— to tear each of them limb from limb. End Book 3 The Wraith Lord of Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback Volume 1 of The Kingdom of Atoll Sea Copyright 2014 Marty Reader and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback, Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll series, by Marty Reader. Book 4, Ultimate Heroes, Part 1. The wolves in the circle around Lady Alondrill and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback 
began to inch forward, testing their prey. Cyrus and Alarondril put their backs to each other and began to rotate, trying to keep an eye on the movements of all their enemies. Any ideas, Lady Alarondril? Cyrus asked. Please tell me that something like this happened in your Dudes with Dragons series. Alarondril shook her head, too scared to be annoyed at his blatant ignorance of fantasy literature. No, not unless you have a staff of Feroshkshit to combat them with. That's how they got rid of the wards in the sixth book of the Sprite Academy series. Cyrus raised his eyebrows at a particularly savage snarl from the wolf currently facing him. Dang, I chose a bad time to lend my staff of Fidovetch to my friend to impress a girl. Suddenly, Elarondril stopped circling for a moment. Wait, don't wolves travel in packs and have an alpha male? Wolves go in groups, but they ain't able to read, Cyrus said. Not alphabet, Elarondril responded. Alpha male, it means a leader. Oh, leader. Uh, yeah, probably. Because in the... Elarondril stopped herself. Because it's possible that if we take out the leader, the rest will become confused or scared and dispersed to the hinterlands. Cyrus grinned. You'll have to tell me what book that idea comes out from later. As for the leader, that ugly one that you just passed, the one with the super nasty growl, I'm thinking he's the alfalfa male. Alarondril somehow managed not to correct Cyrus. I think you're right. The wolves seemed to confirm their thoughts by letting off a particularly evil snarl and then leading the others into another step forward. The question is, she said, shrinking back, how do we take out the leader? Cyrus circled around to face the brood and contemplated for a second before saying, I think I got an idea. Toss me that orb of pestiness. Another correction hovered on her lips before Lady Loundrill simply handed the football over to Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. The Tri-Valley Region MVP planted his back foot, cocked back his arm, and, as Loundrill later put it, Faster than a cliff-dwelling fater harpy, snapped his arm forward, releasing the orb of pestilence. The wolf barely had time to react to the movement before the football crashed into his face at a devastating speed. No reaction was possible. Instead, the leader crumpled to the ground without a second's hesitation. Out cold. Cyrus knows the quarterback, Lady Alarondrill exclaimed in awe. The two then gazed around at the other wargs. The beasts had witnessed the scene and stood stunned. Dude, Cyrus whispered, I think they're kind of freaked out. Once again, I'm impressed by your football skills finally paying off outside of a playing field, a voice interrupted. It's a shame that the one you threw the ball at was not the alpha male. Mr. Cowles, who had watched the scene with interest, threw in this comment glibly. Then he finished, That'd be me. Then the Wraith Lord gripped his plasma globe and focused. The next thing Alarondril and Cyrus knew, the wolves surrounding them shook their heads and renewed their hateful din. And I think I'll not have them procrastinate this moment any longer, Mr. Cowles added. I never did care much for procrastinators. Lady Alarondril barely had time to nod in confirmation before the wolves around them shot forward. Come on, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, said. He did not give Alarondril time to figure out what they were doing. Instead, he grabbed her wrist and they charged towards one of the wolves. Much like the Cape Horn beast, the warg did not expect his prey to be running towards him. He slowed just enough that Cyrus's foot caught him exactly in the neck, sending him sprawling with a yelp to the side. Cyrus then brought a drill past him and managed to say, That clears the path to the exit, so here's the play. I'll hold back the wolves. You get out of here. 
We'll meet later at the Lake Dweller Pond. Lady Alarondrill did not even have time to protest. Before she could say anything, Cyrus shoved her backward and took another swat with his foot at a diving warg. The other wards began converging on the two, and one happened to latch itself successfully to Cyrus's pant leg, debilitating his kicking foot. As another targeted Cyrus's torso, it received a stiff arm to the head, driving it down to the ground. At the same time, however, a different wolf flung itself at the quarterback's writhing side. This one would have succeeded in chomping down on Cyrus's vulnerable spot, but it suddenly found itself victim to a large, leather-bound book smashing straight into its mouth. Lady Alarondril filled in the spot where the warg she just vanquished had dropped, standing next to the beleaguered Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. I don't like your game plan, she said, swinging her book and striking another approaching warg. Cyrus had finally extracted the wolf on his pant leg with a deft strike from his large hand. You called an audible, he replied with a respectful zeal. As much as the two appreciated this moment together, they also realized that their time was limited. For every warg they struck down, another came ready to attack, and those wolves that had been swatted were already recovering and prepping to finish the job. Any book ideas come to mind? Cyrus asked, just evading some groping teeth while punching away at another attack from his blind side. Nope, little Arundel responded, permanently denting the back cover of her book with a warg snout. Any football ideas? Cyrus shook his head. Not without a referee of some sort, you know, someone to stop the game and make it a little more fair. As if on cue, the frenzied wargs halted their culminating attack. They all shook their heads, yipping and reeling. They looked around, then one by one shot for the nearest exit, their tails slung under their retreating bodies. Alarondril and Cyrus immediately looked over to Mr. Kells, but the physics and astronomy teacher reflected complete bafflement. Still breathing hard, Alarondril whispered, What was that all about? Too many wargs on the field of play? Cyrus answered, though obviously just as confused as Alarondril and Mr. Cowles. Precisely. A new voice rang out in the chamber. Everyone looked around, trying to locate the voices of origin in the echoing room. Dude, if this is Vice Principal Miller, I'm going to be really freaked out. Actually, the voice replied, it's the last sorcerer of the Order of the Extraction Lodestones. Catching her breath, Lady Alarondril whispered with fierce excitement, Dow tomorrow. Impossible, Mr. Cowles hissed. Get as we told me that the buffalo and bats found you. Not to side with Mr. Crazy, Cyrus added, but it's totally true. I saw those bats coming at you like a blitz of the whole opposing team, plus the marching band. Suddenly there was a shimmering in the air next to the one with the Wraith Lord in it. Dow tomorrow appeared, smiling through his beard. Mr. Cowles' jaw dropped as he turned to face the vision. Incredible, he mumbled. You manipulated the electromagnetic field so as to warp the light rays bouncing off of you. Cyrus turned to Alarondril. What did he say? Alarondril never took her eyes off dead tomorrow. That he uses magnetic powers to disappear. Whoa, Cyrus replied. Dead tomorrow continued addressing the Wraith Lord. It's something I learned when I went into your world. While there, I could still sense our kingdom, hidden from view. I wondered if it would be possible to use my powers to disguise what other people see. With the night streakers bearing down on me, there seemed to be no better time to attempt the magic. At first it did not work, but then I remembered that night streakers fly by sound instead of sight. I adjusted the magic to disguise sound. Thanks to the magic, I became completely invisible to the eyes and ears, as you can see. 
or, as I suppose I should say, as you cannot see. Mr. Cowles ground his teeth in frustration. It's not magic, it's science. As you wish, Wraith Lord. Or do you prefer, what was it, Mr. Cowles? Mr. Cowles ignored the jive and continued rumbling. How did you manage to do it? Gaitis, we told me that you were weak. Disguising myself from view does not require much effort, I've found. It is much less taxing than controlling the actions of other beasts. Irritated, Mr. Cowles followed up by saying, But you also drove away my wolves. If you were weak, how could you have done both? Dad Tamaro nodded. Excellent question. Since then, I found some time to get the chief lodestone from the ruins of the Temple of the Goddess of Atoll. Beneath his layered robes, the ancient sorcerer pulled out a large black rock, a little bigger than Cyrus's football. It is also the reason I am able to do this. Datamaro dropped his staff to the ground so that he could grip the rock with two hands. Before Mr. Cowles could even anticipate an action, he saw his plasma globe nudge to the side and then fly off the counter and smash into the ground. My globe, he said in shock. How did you? Without responding, Datamaro then closed his eyes and tightened his hold on the rock. Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus knows the quarterback watched the scene intensely. For a moment, it seemed like nothing happened. But then they saw Mr. Cal start to look in the different corners of his lab office. Wait, the teacher shouted. Don't you move them. Leave my conductors alone. It took me forever to figure out their exact placement, and I can't. Suddenly, Mr. Cal's and his office lab flickered out of existence. The only ones left in the chamber were Dad Tomorrow, Lady Alarondro, and Cyrus Knows, the quarterback. It was silent for a long moment. And then finally Cyrus exhaled. Dude, tomorrow, I don't know what you did, but it rocked. Alarondrill added, pointing to the black rock. No pun intended. Cyrus nodded. Right. No pun intended. End part one of book four, Ultimate Heroes, of Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knowles the Quarterback, volume one of the Kingdom of Atoll series. Copyright 2014, Marty Reader. Lady Elarondrill and Cyrus Rolls the Quarterback. Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Atoll Siri by Marty Reader. Book 4 Ultimate Heroes. Part 2 Dat Maro stumbled to the ground, still managing to cradle the rock in his hands. Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus knows the quarterback were there within seconds. Dat Maro, Alarondrill asked, are you hurt? Through the beard and wrinkles, Dat Maro managed to open his eyes and say, I should recover. I'm very weak at this moment. I'd say so, Cyrus remarked. You just took out the wraith dude with some pretty fancy trick play. They succeeded in getting Dad Tomorrow into a resting position while sitting down. He took a couple of deep breaths and seemed to be gathering strength. Alarondrill could not help but ask, So what was the fancy trick play you did? Dad Tomorrow's eyes twinkled momentarily. Well, I had been in the room for a while listening to the Wraith Lord speak to you. When he spoke about the connection between our two worlds, I realized that if he could use his powers from his world to affect changes in ours, then I should be able to do the same to his. 
I reached with my magical powers into the area where I felt his magic entering our world, and I followed it back. I pushed aside his orb of power first. After that, once I found the source of his gateway to our world, I knew that I would simply need to remove their linking points, and his gateway to our world would be removed. So you pushed the electromagnetic field conductors out of range of each other and broke off Mr. Kalza's connection with the kingdom of Atoll, Lady Alarondrel noted. Detamaro did not understand everything Alarondrel had surmised, but he felt she'd covered the gist of it. He nodded. Then what's with the rock thing? Where did you get it, and why didn't you use it against the wraith guy before? Cyrus asked, observing the black rock sitting on Detamaro's lap. The sage sorcerer looked down at the rock. Sorcerers channel their powers from special lodestones. You can see that I have one in the top of my staff. Datamaro nodded over to his fallen staff. They saw the black stone attached to the top. From these lodestones, we are able to extract and magnify our magic while focusing it on our intended object. That's why you are from the order of the extraction lodestones. Elarondril interrupted. That's right, Datamaro confirmed, then continued. We've always known that the lodestone with the most powers has been on the floor of the Room of Visions, in the temple of the goddess of Atul. We have not dared use it because we felt that it made the visions of the goddess of Atul possible. However, after barely escaping the night shriekers and caped horned beasts, and knowing that the wargs were on their way, I felt that the time had come for the chief lodestone to be employed, even if it meant risking the visions that have guided our society for centuries. Centuries? Cyrus asked. He turned to Larendril. Is that the half-horse, half-dude thing? That's a centaur. Centuries means hundreds of years, Lady Larendril replied patiently. So these guys have been listening to Mrs. Avalon for hundreds of years? How's that possible? I mean, I know it's possible as long as you sleep through the boring stuff, but I mean, like, her visions are from this school year, right? Not hundreds of years ago. It seems like the visions did come from this year's class, Elandrel answered. She pondered carefully. I'm thinking that because this world is in a different dimension, it's possible that the electromagnetic currents connecting them are not necessarily limited by time. So for years and years in the kingdom of Atoll, people have been getting visions of Mrs. Avalon's lectures from our class this year? That's what it seems like, Elandrel shrugged. Cyrus was lost in deep thought for a moment. What do you think made our year to be the big year? I mean, I know I've got a big ego, but even I don't think that I'm that big of a deal. Larendrill considered for a moment. Remember the beginning of the year, how those pipes beneath Mrs. Avalon's room burst? Best day in English ever, Cyrus replied. It took a whole week for them to go beneath the floor and fix everything up, Larendrill said, thinking as she spoke. And we gotta have class in the gym that whole time. I thought I was in heaven. Alarondrel kept speaking. What if they unsettled a large magnetic rock in the process? That would be enough to strengthen a connection with the kingdom of Atoll. If it was an abrupt enough action, it might have even caused a connection between the worlds to warp across time. Cyrus squinted. So the worker dudes might have made it happen? Exactly. That tomorrow had closed his eyes while Cyrus knows the quarterback and Lady Alarondrel discussed. They turned back to him. So you went and got the chief lodestone, and then you brought it back to the fortress? Alarondrel asked. Datamaro's eyes snapped open. I made it past the herd and night shriekers with a fair amount of ease, since I was still using my magic to remain invisible. 
Besides, they seemed confused. I assume from your actions and getting past them. Then I found all of you in the Wraith Lord's vision chamber. I listened in on his discussion with you, formed a plan, and then acted as soon as the Wog attack had become too much for you two to handle. Game-saving TD, bro. Cyrus nodded respectfully. Elandrel nodded as well. It's true. You saved us. She then grinned as she started to realize something. Plus, we thought you had died. That's usually what happens. The old mentor instructs the young protagonist and then dies in a glorious sacrifice, which you did. But then you really didn't die. That, of course, is another great fantasy twist when the old mentor seemingly resurrects. I'm really glad that you fit that pattern down tomorrow. I cannot decipher all that you just said, Lady Elarondril, but it felt wise and sincere, so I thank you. Dad tomorrow closed his eyes for a long moment before opening them again. Now I think it is time to introduce both of you to the main city of the Kingdom of Atul, so that you can receive a proper welcome for your heroic deeds. Heroic deeds? Are you kidding me? Dude, tomorrow you were totally clutch. I think you get the MVP of the game. You got rid of the Wraith guy and saved us from the Wolfargs. Dad tomorrow smiled softly. Serunol, Dadachadrak. Is the great legend that people have been waiting to see for generations. And you lived up to your reputation, performing tremendous feats, even though you were reluctant to leave and be a part of the journey at first. Let me remind you that I needed to be invisible to get past the caped horn beasts and night shriekers. You accomplished that by sheer physical ability. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, brushed his hand in the air. That ain't nothing. The real legend should be Lady Alandril. I may have some brawn, but she's the offensive coordinator, the brains behind the operation. Lady Alarondrill blushed. I never thought I'd be flattered to be called an offensive anything, but thank you, Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback. Still, I think you both overestimate my participation in this triumph. Dad tomorrow looked from one to the other, his eyes, tired though they were, twinkled. It appears Ser Runol Dajertrak is not the only reluctant hero. The ultimate hero has a point, though, Lady Elarondril, and I believe you will long be remembered as an equal partner in this great conquest of evil. The ancient sage paused, then added, Now I once again ask if you'll join me in celebrating our victory as soon as I am able to recover strength. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, looked over at Lady Elarondril. School will be out about now. If we don't go back soon, I'll miss out on ways and conditioning. Lady Elarondril shoved Cyrus playfully. Maybe you could consider dodging an entire herd of crazed buffalo and flock of wild bats as conditioning, not to mention fighting off deranged fish and wolves. Cyrus thought about it and chuckled. I guess so, even if Coach probably won't believe it. He paused. But we can't leave here without Lady Alarondrill getting a good tour of the place. She's dreamed of it probably as long as I've dreamed of playing in the Super Bowl. Alarondrill smiled. True, but we don't have to stay forever just on my account. I've got a quiz that I really should study for tonight, since I'm sure the teacher won't be in the mood to give me any breaks. Dad Tomorrow's head tilted thoughtfully. You two make a strange but formidable alliance. I am pleased. As soon as I am able to stand, I'll take you all the way to the capital of the Kingdom of Atul, where we will deliver the good news to the citizens. Then the prominent members of the kingdom will want to meet with you. Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback, reached down and wrapped Dad Tomorrow's arm around his shoulder, then lifted him up. You don't need to wait to stand up. I'll help you walk, dude, tomorrow. How far away is this capital? Lady Larondrill interrupted. 
I'm estimating that it is about a 20-minute walk from here up a small hill. That tomorrow eyed Alarondrill curiously. The lady is once again correct. Alarondrill winked at Cyrus and said, Crater City downtown. Cyrus knows the quarterback started helping Dad tomorrow out of the chamber. You're pretty sharp, lady. After a couple of steps, his face brightened. But I can be sharp sometimes, too. I think you'll agree when I tell you my idea for our English project. Lady Alarondrill fell into step behind the two men. Oh, and what is your idea, oh sharp one? For the project, we can write a story about a fantasy land that uses all the character from the books we were supposed to read this year. Alarondrill pursed her lips. You know, it pains me to say it, Cyrus knows the quarterback, but that is actually a great idea. Cyrus gave a furtive glance over to Alarondrill. My next great idea is that you'll write it. Lady Alarondrill supported Dead Tomorrow on his other side. Her hand inadvertently touched Cyrus Knowles, the quarterback's, while propping up the wizened man's back. Neither recoiled. Instead, Alarondrill said, The only reason that that's a good idea is because you're a dumb football player who doesn't know how to write for all the gems of the lower Rockfall Empire. Game over, Cyrus Knowles grinned. End Volume 1 of the Kingdom of Eightfold Series of Lady Alarondrill and Cyrus Knowles to Quarterback. Copyright 2014. Marty Lee.